welcome to Ridgecrest Baptist. We thank you for listening. Now, here is this week's message. Uh, for leading us this morning, and it's great to have Kevin back with us, and we've certainly missed him. But I do want to, again, say thank you to Bailey, to Carson, uh, a lot of people that I don't uh, know everybody that was involved, but people stepped up to help out in his absence. So thank you so much for what uh, you do and for those that helped out while Kevin was gone on his trip to Africa. I want to encourage you this morning to take your Bibles and open them to Acts chapter 6 and find Acts chapter 6 and our text is verse 1 through uh, verse 7. The title of this, ser- this sermon is Servants of the Church. And if you're here with us and you're a guest today, uh, this is a, a, a sort of a non-standard service because we're going to ordain two men this morning uh, to be deacons, and we want to uh, have a deacon's ordination service this morning, but we are going to um, charge them, but this is not something that's just for them. Let me just make that perfectly clear and simple. This is for all of us here. Uh, this is a charge to the church, and it's, it's yes, it's a deacon's ordination service, but it's also a charge to every person who's been created by God for God's glory. So I want to encourage you this morning not to just say, well, this is not really for me, but this is, um, this is something God's got a message for you from His Word, through His Spirit, that He wants to deliver to you this morning. The word deacon in Greek is the word servant, and it basically says a lot about what a deacon is supposed to be. He's supposed to be a servant, a servant leader, and we can explore the understanding of what a deacon is supposed to be doing when we look at the story in Acts chapter 6 of the origins of the office of deacons, and that's what our text is this morning. So follow with me as I read Acts 6, and uh, I'll begin at verse 1. Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. It's a rather ironic uh, truth in church life that any time a church is growing, any time ministry is taking place, any time the church is being the church, there's actually going to be problems that accompany that. And those are actually positive signs that the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing. I would call it growing pains, just like in the life of a a person. When a person is growing, that's a sign of health. Churches are supposed to be growing, and they're supposed to be uh, reflecting the, the gospel going forth and advancing and building the kingdom of God and being on mission means there's going to be 
people's lives being changed and in the introduction of the gospel into people and people are messy. And so anytime you're doing real ministry, there's going to be problems that come along and they really aren't problems. They're opportunities to just be the church. And so uh, what we see in this case is that the church was experiencing phenomenal growth in the first century and the, the growth in this First century church was being carried out by the original 12 disciples, but now many, many more disciples besides just the original 12 that the Lord had are now uh, in the church in Jerusalem. And, the, and they're basically on fire for the Lord. And what really happened was people were just telling other people about what Jesus had done in their own life. And that's a, basically what we need for you guys to be doing. We need for you to be telling people around you what Jesus has done in your life and is doing in your life and inviting them to come to church and inviting them to be a part of the truth, the reality of who God is. And I'm sure you've seen these wildfire videos. And when you think about the first century church, it was like a wildfire out west in, the, in this arid, dry forest where a wind comes up, maybe a big, strong 30 or 40 mile an hour wind, and it's just blowing this rapid fire across the hillside. And that really pictures the rapid increase. Jerusalem was essentially taken for Christ in the first 10 years after the Lord's resurrection. And it radically changed that city. The first century church did just by being the church. And so, again, what was it? It was a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multicultural church. That's our vision for this church here at Ridgecrest. We're just going to be the church. And so as we encounter these opportunities for ministry, what you could call problems, we need to use the same biblical model for dealing with these situations that the first church did. Notice in verse 1 it says, while the disciples, that is all believers, not just the original Twelve, but all the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint arose. And so here we see what we could call the problem. Growth and grumbling, distraction and detour. And the problem was essentially that the apostles, who are now the pastors, so we're going to call the apostles, John and Peter and crew, they're the pastors of the Jerusalem church. They are being distracted. They're being detoured off of their primary function of preaching and prayer and they're spending a lot of time and energy trying to manage this food administration program that was designed to help the poor and needy in the church. And so they were really spending too much time doing that program, and, and it was affecting their ability to be spiritual leaders and especially to be able to preach with power. And so, again, we don't know for sure about this um, complaint, whether it was justified or not. Scholars are not certain whether it, the Greek widows were actually being treated unfairly or it was an oversight or if it was an unjustified complaint. And that's really not the, the point of the text. The bottom line was there was an issue here that was it was um, slowing down the momentum in the church. You know, I kind of pictured the church like a, a locomotive. And, you, you know, when you've got this train rolling and you've got momentum, you don't want anything to slow it down. And the power was being throttled back by the, you know, the church to slow this locomotive down. And it was a bad thing and it was affecting um, the spreading of the gospel. And in verse 2, the pastor said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. And I want to make it perfectly clear, this is not a position um, saying serving tables is somehow less than being a pastor. 
That's not what the text is saying, and that's not what the Bible teaches. This might seem to place that, that expression, it might seem to place serving tables as a lower than position than, say, being a pastor or a teacher. But that's not what the apostles were saying. What the apostles were saying, and again, they were the pastors of the church, they were acknowledging that people have been given different assignments, different what I would call roles and responsibilities in the church by their giftedness, by their spiritual gifts, and by what God has called them to do. And there is a delegation, there is a different roles and responsibility clearly in the church. We see that with the body of Christ. Not everybody is supposed to be a thumb. Not everybody's supposed to be the right arm. In the body of Christ, metaphor of what the church is, we need every body position covered in a healthy church. So the serving ministry in the church is vitally important to the health of the church because it allows pastors to focus on their calling to preach God's word, which is really driven by a prayer life and by a faithful walk with God. And so they were acknowledging this problem, and then they declared a solution. Verse 3 and 4 again says, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. The pastors were going to devote themselves to the ministry of the Word and prayer and they needed a solution by declaring that we've got to delegate the uh, mission to these seven men. And so in verse 3, the congregation was directed to select a group of men, an appropriate number for the needs of the ministry, whom the task would be able to be delegated to. This is the rise of the office of deacons in the church. And they were to be servant leaders, diakonos, servants. And they, it's, by the way, not dissimilar to being a minister. It actually means minister and servant. It means the same thing. But they were not necessarily performing a task that was unique to anybody else in the church. The deacons are not performing a unique task to other believers. What they're doing is serving as servant leaders. And they lead primarily through modeling and by example. They're pace setters. And so, again, I'm, I'm beginning now to kind of focus, Brother Sam and, and Scott, you're, you're pace setters for the church. Examples, role models, all of our deacons are, and their wives. The office of deacon has requirements against the wives of deacons as well in the scriptures. And so we'll notice in verse 3, it calls on them to be men of three characteristics. They were to be, first, men of good reputation. Secondly, they were to be full of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, to be full of the wisdom of God. This is a charge to all of our deacons. And really to all the men in the church. You should aspire, and I should aspire to be characterized by men of, being a man of God, as defined by the characteristics of having a good reputation, full of the Spirit, and full of the wisdom of God. And so to our deacons today, this is a charge. I'm challenging you to guard your reputation. My mother had a lot of wise sayings, and one of those that I heard repeatedly in my lifetime was it takes, she would say, David, it takes a lifetime to build a good reputation, but only a few seconds to lose it. That's a terrifying thought. 
because it's true. It's a true thought, and it's terrifying because uh, we know how quickly a good reputation can be cast aside. And so we have to every day get up and, and pray and recommit our life to Christ in, in a way that's saying, God, I need today for you to guard my heart. And we can therefore begin to see the need to be men that are full of the Holy Spirit. We protect our reputation by pursuing God, and we protect our reputation by being men of the, full of the Holy Spirit. What that means is to submit our lives and the control of our life each day to the Spirit of God and literally pray, God, you control me today, control my language, my desires, my heart, and let me release my control of what I want to do with my life over to you, God, today. And, and, and Lord, let your Holy Spirit guard and protect me. And I think of that process as sort of, I picture it as the picture I have of a horse that we owned at one time. That I think I've told you all this, my, the horse was named Dreamer, but she should have been named Nightmare because she was a nightmare. And part of the nightmare we had every day was trying to, or whenever we wanted to ride her, was trying to catch her. And get a saddle on her, and most importantly, to get a bit into her mouth and a bridle with the reins on it. And she didn't like to be ridden, so oftentimes she would run away. And so we had this, you know, the Three Stooges picture of me chasing the uh, horse around the pasture, you know, trying to catch her to put a bit, uh, a bridle and a bit. The bit goes in the mouth. The bridle goes over the head. So you, and the reins are attached, and then saddle her up. And so, when you're a, a follower of Christ, really even a non-follower of Christ, an unbeliever, that that's basically the point of salvation is when you turn the reins of your life over to Jesus Christ. When you, if you've never done that today, you can make a decision. You can say, today, Jesus. I see that you came and died on the cross for my sins, and you bore this, my penalty on the cross, and I believe you're alive, and you sit at the right hand of God, and you're the Son of God, and I want to turn the reins of my life over to you. That is salvation. At the point you place the, the, the reins of your life into the hands of the, the Lord Jesus Christ, you are given the, the privilege of being a follower of Christ and eternal life. And so, as a Christian, that's not a one-time event. Yes, salvation is a one-time event, but filling up with the Holy Spirit is something we have to do on a daily basis. We literally have to say, picture ourselves as, you know, like that horse and saying, Jesus, you can come and control me, and I turn the reins of my life over to you again to let you take me where you want to go and control me in the way that you want to. You're the rider of the horse, Jesus, not me. I'm not in control of my own destiny. That's what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. And it takes work. It takes effort. I want to challenge our deacons. A large part of your effectiveness as a deacon is going to be built in the quietness of your daily devotion. If I could give you two pieces of encouragement to guard your heart to be full of the Holy Spirit would be to make a commitment to attend the church faithfully, not when it's convenient, but to schedule your life around the church activities. That's the first bit of advice. And the second 
encouragement would be to have a daily devotion time. I would call a quiet time where it's you, a cup of coffee and in a quiet place with your Bible and listening to God speak to you through your reading of the scriptures. And you're opening yourself up to hear the voice of God through the scriptures, submitting yourself to God's will for your life. And if you'll do that and do that as a couple and as you and grow in Christ and you'll have the wisdom of God, that third requirement, God's wisdom is the wisdom that comes through the scriptures. It's essentially what I would call a biblical worldview. You look at life and you deal with life and you deal with problems in life, not according to the ways of the world, but according to the scriptures, which are usually completely opposite. And so, again, wisdom is from God. The third requirement of a deacon is not common sense. Many a deacon has quenched the spirit of God and the move of God in a Southern Baptist church, calling out for the need to put the brakes on something in the name of common sense. So let's not do that. And the way we're not going to do that is having faith that's built on knowing who God is and how God works that comes through that daily devotion time and service and listening and, under, and being under the teaching and preaching ministry of people that are called by God to do that. And then you begin to have more faith and you operate in the wisdom of God in a, with a biblical worldview in an area of faith and you avoid and you avoid recklessness because you're sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's only going to come, gentlemen, by hard work and hours and hours and hours and years and years of walking with the Lord through daily devotion and prayer. And by being, again, faithful to be under the teaching and preaching ministry at church. And so I charge you and I charge the wives of deacons. I've asked our deacons that are active to sit up front. We're having this on a Sunday morning on purpose because we we are elevating the, the role of deacons in this church. But to do that, we need for you to press into the power of God. And we are calling on you to learn the scriptures and live out the Bible and walk with God and seek him. And notice that the deacons in this church, in our text, are they're serving the pastors Verse 4 clearly states the pastors of the church should be devoted to prayer and the ministry of preaching the word. And so pastors need that time. They need that. And, and we need deacons who are saying, Pastor, I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to be on your team. And what happens is the, the pastors, they become um, servants of the deacons. And there is a deacons are serving the pastoral staff and the pastoral s- staff should be serving the deacons. So that there's a mutual service one toward the other of selflessness and promotion that becomes a model of unity for the whole church. That's the charge to all of us today. And so this, the symbol of a deacon, first and foremost, is to be a person who embraces servant leadership. Therefore, the symbol is a towel. It's not a... It's not a badge saying I'm the sheriff in this town. You know, you're not strutting around like a rooster in the hen house. And you're not wearing a badge saying I'm the law around here. You're walking around with a towel. And I really would 
encourage you to see your ordination certificate as a towel. And I would remind you that our Lord on the night before, in hours before his crucifixion, knowing he was going to the cross, he washed the disciples' feet with a towel. And we know the towels will be needed when you wipe the sweat off the brow of your forehead from your hard work as a servant leader. And that towel will become handy when you want to put something under your knees to soften the stress against your knees as you spend time in prayer for this church. So a towel is the symbol of a deacon's, not a walkie-talkie. I expect this, this, this group of deacons is a lot more than a security detail. This is not about us uh, just having a job of insignificance. This is being servant leaders. And it's going to, again, take the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this, to be models. This is the solution. So what's the process? The process is to be selected and set apart. And we see a beautiful picture here. And I don't know about you, but I get excited when I see us doing what the people did in the book of Acts. When I feel like we can, we're literally walking into the pages of the book of Acts here. And that gets me excited. The whole congregation, first of all, approved the selection of the deacons. We've done that. Those men selected were then set apart in a public setting, which we're about to conduct a sacred time. It says these these men were brought before the apostles who were the pastors, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. The laying on of hands extends all the way back to the stories in the Old Testament of Moses and Joshua. But it, So it was already a thousand years plus of history, and then the 2,000-year-old tradition since this first century church laid their hands on men. And what they were doing was symbolic. It was a symbol of a blessing and a prayer and asking God to anoint their ministry with the, the power of God. It's sacred, and I'm looking forward to what we're about to do. So we have seen that there's a problem encountered with real ministry. No problems, bad news. If we're so smooth and status quo that we don't have any ministerial problems, then that means the church is on a trajectory to die. And we're, we're becoming a Christian club. So the problem was encountered... The delegation was the solution, and the process was to select deacons. But the best news of all is verse 7. Verse 7 says, the word of God kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly. And that's my prayer. The result is ministry and multiplication. Deacons are ministry multipliers. And we should pray as a church, Lord, let it be true of Ridgecrest. In 2020, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly. That's my prayer today, and I know it's your prayer as well. And gentlemen, I'm charging you this morning to do your job, to do it with the power of God. And it's, invi- it's vital all of our deacons do their job because the church needs you. This is no idle post, and it's no title with insignificance. It is a vitally important ministry 
to be the church. The church cannot be the church without our deacons doing your job. So step up to your duty and do what God's called you to do. Be humble. Seek the power of God. Be spirit-filled. Seek God's wisdom. And submit yourself into the hands of God. And and, um, He'll give you the strength to do it. I want to encourage you to remember the ultimate deacon, the ultimate servant leader is our Lord Himself. Who said, by the way, the greatest among you are the greatest servants. And He demonstrated that by laying down His life for us, bearing our sins and our punishment and rescuing us out of hell. And then He beckoned us to follow Him. So I want to encourage you this morning to embrace the voice of Jesus when he said, follow me. Because he was the ultimate servant leader. And he's our king and our, re- our redeemer. Amen. All right. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to ask um, any of the men in the church, just the men in the church who have been ordained um, to, in just a moment... Line up on this wall, and we're going to have our four um, people up front. We ask the, the wives to come because they're going to be supporting their husbands. But we're going to ask each ordained man just to say a word of encouragement, a very brief, very brief uh, prayer or word of encouragement to the two men and move through the line, and then you can return to your seats. And then when we're finished with that, I'll close this in prayer. And I've asked Kevin to close our service today in a, in, with us holding hands and singing a song and showing our unity around the church. So I'm going to ask um, the two couples if they'll come and just sit. We're going to let our ladies sit today so they're nice and comfortable. Come ahead. All the men, if you would, come and line up behind Rogers. Rogers is going to go first, the chairman of our deacons. And all the ordained men, if you would, make your way to this wall over here. And if, uh, if you would, just be in a, a prayerful for the church, just be in prayer as we uh, conduct a, a laying on of the hands ceremony here for just a moment. All right, being a preacher, I'm compelled to say a little bit more before we dismiss. Um, first thing I want to do, I want to thank these men for being willing to serve. I want to thank all of our deacons for being willing to serve and for their wives supporting them. I love our deacons. They have been so kind and gracious and encouraging to me. Every single one of them has come to me and just totally uh, encouraged and, and said, I want to support you, Pastor. So I'm so thankful that we have deacons now today that are so loving of the church and supportive of their pastor and I especially want to thank also Brother Rogers Wilson because he's the chairman of the deacons, and that's a big responsibility. And um, I know that we need to be praying for our deacons, and thanks to all of them. Thank you, Rogers, for all your hard work, and Linda, for all you do for the church. And I just, uh, I just want to say how much I love the church, and I'm so thankful to be your pastor. We have a, a certificate here that we do want to give to these two men, and uh, of course... This is your certificate of ordination. This is for Kenneth Scott Rosser, having been chosen as a person of good report, full of the spirit of, and of wisdom, and capable of serving well, was set apart publicly to the office and work of deacon. 
And then Sam, Brother Sam Hicks, having been chosen as a person of good report, full of the spirit and of wisdom and capable of serving well, was set apart publicly to the office and work of deacon. Why don't we praise the Lord and give them a hand. All right, I'm going to ask Brother Kevin if he'll lead us, and we're going to have a closing song here, I believe. So, Kevin, it's so good to have you back too, brother. We hope this message will help you in your spiritual walk and growth. For more about Ridgecrest, please visit us on the web at www.rbc-tuscaloosa.com. Have a great day, and God bless.